Hello and welcome to Pick Yourself, the podcast that helps you build and grow your electronic music career. You will learn the strategies, mindset, tactics and tools that you can implement today to break through tomorrow. My name is Philip. Now let's get right into today's episode. Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of the Pick Yourself podcast. I'm very happy to have you here with me again. And today's topic is why having an artist manager is not the solution to your problem. And I'm going to talk about three different aspects. The first one is the biggest misconception about having a manager. Then I will go into why having a manager as an emerging artist can actually hurt your career. Yes, you heard right. And then we'll go to the question of how to self-manage your artist's career without sacrificing professionalism. So what is the biggest misconception about having a manager? Well, upcoming artists often tend to think that having a manager will kickstart their career. So somebody will show up, show interest in them, probably see a gig or find something online and is instantly super stoked about what you are doing and the great music, the great creativity you're presenting, the way you look, uh, the way you could appear in magazines probably. And then the manager offers you a contract and, well, decides to build you from the ground up. And this is exactly where imagination and reality clash. So that is definitely not happening in that way. So in reality, especially in the electronic music industry, managers tend to come in very, very late into the game, into the career of an artist. Because successful managers are only interested in working with artists that are already super successful, but are basically way too busy to manage themselves. They could do that, but they're way too busy, there's so much going on, so many different needs and aspects and parties involved that they actually need a manager to manage these situations. So let's take a step back. What does an artist manager do? When I started to look around online to find a definition of what an artist manager does, I stumbled upon a very cool definition provided by Digital Music News. I'm also linking to that article in the show notes at pickyourselfpodcast.com. So the definition goes like this. An artist manager is someone who handles the day-to-day business dealings on behalf of an artist or band. The artist is in charge of creating the art and usually has an overall vision for the project. But it's the manager's job to take that vision, map out a viable plan and execute it. So let's be honest. How many day-to-day business dealings do you have at this moment in your career? And let's be a bit more honest even. Do you think that you can afford to give somebody a 15 and up to 25% cut on all of your profits that you generate with your music? And is that even enough to justify that somebody is taking action? Do you really think there is somebody interested? So in my opinion, the whole idea of an artist manager building somebody from the ground up and then growing together is a myth. That is something that probably took place several times throughout the history of recorded music. 
but that was especially during times where the industry was flooded with money. So for example, back in the day when CDs were still selling like hot waffles, that is when artists and managers and labels were making a shitload of money and people could basically afford to invest also in super unknown artists and try to build them up. So guess what? These times are over. And especially in underground subgenres like techno and like underground house music and so on. Do you really think somebody is gonna come and invest in building up an artist from scratch? That's super risky. So let's just put ourselves into the shoes of an artist manager. And let's have a look at two different artists. We have artist A, who is super talented, writes great music, but is just starting out. He or she has released the first EP and maybe played a couple of shows, but it's actually not a lot available online to find out. And even in real life, it's really hard to get in touch. And then there's artist B. Honestly, the first songs of artist B weren't that great. But he or she has developed a quite unique style over time, has self-released a couple of EPs, is probably at the moment working on something a little bit bigger, has done some collaborations with other artists, has created their own showcases, has booked their first tours completely on their own, and is pretty well connected also in the industry. You hear about that artist from several of your music industry peers. So who would you invest in? Well, I would definitely put all my money on artist B because that is the person that has already taken action. That's the one that has shown to me that there is some level of professionalism. But even then, I wouldn't instantly offer them a contract. I would just watch them closely and I would follow this artist's path for at least a year and just see how things are taking shape. And then, then it starts to get interesting and probably gets relevant for an artist manager. So now let's come to the second point that I mentioned at the beginning. Why having a manager as an emerging artist can actually hurt your career. I think that you're basically missing out on a lot of super valuable skills and experiences that you just need to have and need to make as an artist. So for example, organizing your own EP release and promoting it. I think that is such a valuable thing to go through and to actually experience on your own before handing it off to someone else. And also booking your own tour is something that I find super valuable. All these kinds of skills when you are negotiating, when you are planning, when you are organizing, when you are promoting, so many different aspects that basically make up an artist's life. And they're not the most beautiful ones, I know, definitely. I, there are so many things that I absolutely hate, like booking, for example, is something that I have always found super frustrating. Um, but at the same time, if you don't do this on your own, how do you think you can actually judge the quality of somebody else taking care of you? You as an artist are responsible for building a certain level of knowledge that has to do with the music industry. And if you hand off everything at the beginning and you decide to only do art and leave everything else to somebody else, then there's a big chance that you're going to get burned. There are so many amazing people working in the music industry, 
But there's also some bad apples always there. And how can you tell the wolves from the sheep if you don't have any clue of what's going on there? Let's just take royalties as an example. That is something that you should pay close attention to and actually know what's going on in that field. And there's also something else to this. So if you want to attract the attention of people like artist managers, label managers, and whoever else is there to probably take you to the next level in your artist career, they are usually not interested in people who only create great music, but also in the ones who deliver something else, who are building something else around them, something that impresses. So if you as an artist have a legacy of self-managing your career in a very meaningful way and creating great things, making things happen outside of the music creation, then that makes you very sexy for the people in the industry that probably can help you then take the next level. But there are some tricky situations where you probably would wish for a professional that helps you, somebody like an artist manager. Let's imagine you get offered a pretty big contract with a well-known, respected label in your genre and you have some basic negotiation and contract experience, but at the same time, you still don't want to screw that up. So wouldn't a manager be a blessing in that situation? Well, yes and no. On the one hand, obviously, if you had a trusted relationship over a long period with a manager at that point, well, congratulations, it's perfect. You have somebody that knows these types of contracts. But at the same time, you could also take a different route. And this brings me to the third point. How to self-manage your artist career without sacrificing professionalism. And to me, that is like the best of both worlds. So on the one hand, you gain that DIY, that do-it-yourself experience. But on the other hand, you know exactly when to outsource what to specialists. So let's take our example from before. You get that contract offered by a label. What do you do? Well, you cannot hire a manager for just a short period of time. But what you can do is you can look for a specialized music lawyer that knows about these types of contracts. And that person can basically help you get the most out of that deal that is in line with your overall artistic vision, which is something you definitely can develop on your own or together with other consulting partners that help you. And there are a lot more things that you can outsource to specialists when it makes sense to you. So besides the lawyer that helps you with negotiations and contracts, let's say you have uh, some issues getting coverage by blogs and magazines and so on. You could hire a PR specialist, an agency or a freelancer that is super established in the music industry and has great contacts. And you can work with that person to basically get more coverage for your next releases. If you get overwhelmed with the aspect of organizing your own tours and getting all the flight tickets and bookings right and so on, you can hire a tour manager and outsource only that part. The same goes for booking. You can get a booking agent that basically helps you get into the venues that you'd like to be in. For money-related issues, you can outsource to an accountant. And if you have a really hard time presenting yourself on your website, writing about yourself and so on. You could hire a music journalist or a specialized copywriter in the music industry 
that basically helps you find the tone of voice that actually represents you. So the basic takeaway from this is you don't need an artist manager in order to be super professional. You can just outsource certain important bits to specialists that help you with these weak points. And the big advantage here is that you're not bound to a long-term contract. So usually with artist management, that means you commit to somebody for an extended period of time. Whereas with outsourcing to specialists, that's a different beast. Here you only commit to a certain project. And of course, it still costs you money, it still hurts your wallet, but at least it's a little bit more open and flexible. So to me, this is the way to go as an up-and-coming artist. I think it's super valuable to gain the skills and knowledge on the one hand, but at the same time know when to outsource what to specialists. And in reality, with all the big profile artists that actually have and need an artist management company to help them, they usually have a combination of both. They work with specialists, but also with an artist manager. And the artist manager is also responsible for tying all these loose ends together. Now, how do you know when you actually need an artist manager to help you with your duties? So honestly, I think you can live pretty well for a long time without having one. But I give you some clear indicators that show you that you're probably able to at least think about hiring one. The first one is touring and releasing music already covers all of your professional expenses plus more than 50% of your personal ones. So like I've mentioned before, usually an artist manager takes a cut of at least 15% and up to 25%, which is quite rare to be honest. But still, that means if there is not enough to share in the beginning, it doesn't really make sense to split that up between anybody. The second indicator is that you're regularly dealing with music lawyers, booking agents and label A&Rs on your own. But you feel that this is getting a bit overwhelming holding all those loose ends together. So if you end up spending 90% of your productive time just juggling different contractors and specialists, then there's no time left for creating music and actually being productive in what's most valuable. And that is a very clear indicator that you should think about hiring or working with an artist manager. The next indicator is that you have a very, very clear vision. And you can tell me your one-year, three-year, and five-year goals, even if I wake you up at 3 a.m. in the morning. This aspect just means that you have done your homework. You know what you want to achieve, and you probably just need somebody else to take you to that next level while you are already quite successful. So you could end up in a scenario where you have gained a very good audience, you gained some momentum, You are on top of your game, but still it feels like you're hitting a glass ceiling and you just cannot break through, no matter how hard you try. This is also a moment where probably an artist manager can take you to the next level and it makes sense to involve somebody else in your career. But I assume that this list does not apply to 99% of you, the listeners. So my clear advice and suggestion for you is to do the DIY management plus professional support in areas where you get the most benefit out of it.
So in my intro episode, I have announced and promised to you that I will give you actionable advice that you can implement right after listening to the show. So this is what we're about to do now. I will give you three action steps that you can implement right after the end of this episode. The first action step is you make a list of all the tasks besides creating music and playing shows that affect your music career. So for example, negotiating with show promoters in the cities you're playing in, creating posters for a self-organized local showcase, writing invoices, organizing taxes, all these things. So you collect all of this, you make a long list that involves all these tasks, and you also start to sort them in order of importance. So just to give you an idea, having a well-organized tech writer that you will use for every show so you can make sure that everything is going well during the show. This is way more important than, for example, having a perfect artist bio. Your artist bio can be okay, and I, I think it is something important and something worth considering and working on. We'll also do an episode on that. But honestly, if your tech writer is off and lacks crucial information, then this is something that should be addressed immediately. This is something very high on the list of priorities. So you make this list, you sort it in order of importance, and then follows the next action step. And this is, you identify the 20% of critical tasks that are causing you 80% of the frustration currently. And you write them down and you check if you can either eliminate them, asking yourself, is that really important? Automate them, so you ask yourself, is there some cheap or free software that can take this off my shoulders? Or to outsource them. So you ask yourself, is it something worth handing over to a specialist? So I'm sure you want to hear some examples of what these 20% of critical tasks are that are causing you 80% of the frustration. Let's take the example of accounting, bookkeeping, whatever you want to call it. This is something that we cannot avoid at least if we're doing this professionally as an artist. But it's complicated and for sure there's a lot of paperwork to be done. So now let's ask ourselves, can we eliminate this? Well, I don't think I can eliminate bookkeeping or accounting because this is something that is legally required, at least at a certain level. Can I automate this? So using relatively cheap or free software to help me with this. And yes, that's definitely possible, at least to a certain extent. So I use a digital bookkeeping solution called Holvi. This is a business bank account plus a digital bookkeeping service. And there are many other options out there. Um, you have to look what works in your country. I think there's also, for example, GoDaddy bookkeeping is something that's super famous in the States, as far as I know. Um, and these types of software, they help you a lot with your bookkeeping duties. You don't have to have these big old dusty folders in your apartment and a lot of the heavy lifting is done for you automatically so you don't have to worry about a lot of things. But you could also completely outsource it and delegate this type of work to a specialist. This is also possible. But it's not necessarily something that you need to do on your own if that is one of your major points of frustration. Now let's try another example. Uh, let's say there is create daily social media posts on your list. This is something that is a bit more tricky than you can probably not outsource it because it shouldn't sound fake. Yeah, 
I don't like this idea of somebody else posting in your name. Maybe that's something that really big stars in the scene do, but you can tell, you can basically tell if somebody is authentic or not. And I'm not a big fan of this kind of fake posting stuff. So if outsourcing is not an option, let's see if the other two are an option. Automating it, oh, well, to some degree you can use, for example, a social media posting plan where you plan ahead and you schedule all the posts. There are tools like Hootsuit, I think is the name, um, where you can schedule posts and then let them release in a certain fashion automatically. But still, you have to create the posts. They're not being created automatically. So also that is only to some degree an option. But what about elimination? Can you completely eliminate being on social media? Well, it's probably not the best idea for your career overall to completely neglect these channels. But you can think about avoiding the trap of having to post every day. I think it's way better if you post really important and memorable content a little bit more spaced out compared to the daily thing. So obviously this is not what the algorithm wants of you. But on the other hand, are you there to serve the algorithm or are you there to serve the people, your audience? And I always believe you should think about the people first and then about things like algorithms. So maybe you can do a partial elimination and say, okay, let's probably not try to post every day, but once a week or twice a week, which would make it way less stressful. That would still count as one way of elimination because you're eliminating the frustration. And now let's come to the last action step, which is basically shifting this 80-20 idea around 180 degrees. So you identify the 20% of critical tasks that determine 80% of your future success. And you write them down and you check if you can either outsource them to a specialist that helps you multiply your results, or you find out how you can give those 20% a more prominent role in your work week. Asking yourself, what can I sacrifice to make this a priority? Now, once again, you identify the 20% of critical tasks that determine 80% of your future success. So what could that be? So in my opinion, something super crucial is the question, do I get enough exposure for my releases? Are blogs writing about that? Are magazines writing about that? Do I get features? Am I being played by other DJs? That is something super, super crucial if you want to build your electronic music career. And now you can think about outsourcing that or putting more energy into it. So let's stay with the promo example here. You want to be featured on some of the important scene blogs and magazines. Well, one way to get your foot into the door is to work with a PR agency, someone who's who already has a professional relation with these magazines, blogs, and so on. That is a bit easier than just doing it on your own. And you don't need a manager to bring you there. This is just something that you can do on your own. Now, a short disclaimer. These agencies and freelancers, they usually work with people that have at least a little bit of a fan base already and that have a solid product, music that is just very good. And that means if you get a no when you ask them to work with you and you're ready to pay and they still say no, then that means you still have to work a little bit harder on your product first. 
But don't get me wrong, it's still completely possible to get support by a PR agency or a freelancer, simply because I have seen it happening. With an up-and-coming label that had very, very few releases under its belt, but still, they just managed it to convince them, and it turned out to be an amazing partnership. So we were speaking about the 20% of critical tasks that determine 80% of your future success. I don't think that you have to outsource all of that to specialists. Don't get me wrong here. I still believe that just by giving them a more prominent role in your work week and focusing, putting more energy into those 20% that matter so much, that is already something that can help you quite a lot and basically replaces a lot of management work that you would give to somebody else. A good example for that is tracking. And by tracking, I mean tracking your progress as an artist towards your goals. So first of all, I will do an episode dedicated only to goals and tracking and so on. Be prepared for that. But let me give you a brief summary of what I mean by that. You set out with some blurry vision as an artist, something going round in your imagination of who you want to be, who you want to reach, what you want to achieve with your artist career. But that's usually not very precise. So we have to break that down in goals that are somewhat measurable. But only setting big five-year, ten-year, or maybe even one-year goals, that's all good, but it's not really helpful if you don't track your progress towards achieving these goals. And I strongly believe that tracking your progress is part of these 20% that will give you 80% better outcome in the end. So see if you can manage to put a little bit more time into that part of your career. For example, tracking how many clubs and promoters you've contacted every month. Track how many hours per week you have dedicated to consciously creating great music or learning new skills or whatever it is that is part of your goals. And this is a great example of something that you don't have to outsource, but still, if you put in a little bit more effort here, it can vastly improve your outcome. So to put this episode in a nutshell, I'm deeply convinced that you don't need a manager at this point in your career. I actually think it can hurt your future success quite a lot because you will not acquire certain skills that are super helpful on your future way when it comes to overcoming obstacles and dealing with other, well, bigger people in the industry at eye level. At the same time, I think it's very important to know when to outsource things to specialists and also to know how to invest more time and effort into the 20% that make up 80% of your outcome in the end. If you put a little bit more effort into what really matters, then I think you're on the right way. So if you're among the people who will take action on this, I first of all applaud you. And secondly, I have something very special for you. I have put together a free resource that's called The 7 Strategies of Highly Successful Electronic Music Producers. And this is a free PDF that you can get at pickyourselfpodcast.com slash free. Once again, pickyourselfpodcast.com slash free. And this is where I put together the strategies that discern my most successful studio clients from the ones that are still, yeah, kind of trying hard. So don't waste time along the way and get this free PDF. I'm happy to see you again in the next episode. Thanks for listening and goodbye. 
If you have enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app. And you can find show notes to this episode in form of a detailed blog post at pickyourselfpodcast.com. Until then, see you next time.